Welcome, everyone, to the Witty Words of Wisdom podcast. We're going to start reading the second part of A Cold Anatomy in the Bible by, I know before I said it was Corinne, it's actually Corinne. And I think the last name is Helen. So we're going to start now with Insanity and Obsession. More serious is the mental ailment formerly called just plain insanity, but in the new terminology of our day as psychosis. The mental derangement of those so afflicted is due to various causes and conditions. One type of insanity is spoken of in medical terms as multi-personality or obsession, in which the mind is said to leave its normal track of times at times for some reason not yet known to material medical practice. It is a type of insanity that was formerly pronounced incurable, and consequently, its sufferers were committed to mental institutions for life. However, in the decade of the 30s, a form of treatment was discovered, which in many instances proved highly, I want to say it's effectious. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Efficacious. There we go. Efficacious. <laughs> this is known as the shock treatment, since by the use of electricity, insulin, or metrazole, the patient is subject to a series of shocks as strong as can be taken. In this way, it has been found that patients have at times been jolted back to normal. To be thrown into the snake pit is about another form of administering such a shock. It was theory among medieval, medieval medics that since the shock of this type was enough to drive a sane person mad, it should also have the power of shocking a mad mind back to normality. There is truth here, as the occultist well knows. In the case of multiple personality, an alien ego has entered into a body that is not its own by own, owned by ejecting the rightful owner. Hence, the body is used by two or more entities while the material science repudiates this devil theory as it is turned. It does recognize shock treatment as driving out something, or at any rate, as affecting some sort of rearrangement in the patient's mental mechanism. The occultist, on the other hand, sees it as means by which an intruding entity is forced to loosen its hold upon the etheric body of the victim and thereby turn the body over to its rightful owner, at least partially or for a brief period. The fact is that the obsessing entity Entity's hold is gradually weakened by repeated treatments of this kind. And in some cases, complete cures have been effected. Obsessions may be divided in two case classes, elemental and demonical. The former is more common. It is generally caused by the self-abuse and previous lives. Such a practice, if continued, produces an extremely nervous negative condition which makes the subject an easy prey to elementals of earth, water, and air. It was this form of insanity that the supreme physician healed when he cast out obsessing entities from afflicted human beings and sent them into swine which was so possessed rushed headlong into the sea and were drowned. Swine symbolized the bestial elements and man's nature that must be driven out to cleanse his house for the return of its rightful occupant. All demonical obsessions are directly traceable to the practice of some form of black magic in the past. By black magic is meant any practice that in any way enslaves another being or that limits the free will of an individual. 
As previously pointed out, there is no greater crime than this. The perpetuator of such wrongs pays heavily in pain and sorrow until he has learned the enormity of his sins. Treatment of demonical obsession, which is alarmingly pre prevalent in, the modern, in these modern times, requires a healer is highly spiritual and who possesses extended vision. Unfortunately, such healers are few, so our asylums continue to be overcrowded with cases pronounced incurable. This disorder is frequently referred to in the Bible as the possession of devils. Persons suffering from obsession forfeit benefits they would normally receive from their earthly experience to the extent that they are deprived of the use of their own bodies. It is not all loss. The agony they suffer as a result of their expulsion writes itself into their soul. After they have com contemplated from the inner world the psychological crimes they committed that brought upon them such a tra tragic calamity, the voice of conscience will speak loudly to them in future lives, warning against a repetition of those sins. The question sometimes arises as to the justification of the taking the life of an individual who begs to be relieved from a body that renders him incapable of even the slightest self-help. From the point of view of a single earth life, arguments in its favor may seem altogether plausible, but in the light of rebirth and causation, this is wrong that cannot be condoned. It would solve no problem. The ego must be born again and yet again in the equally helpless body until the import of past misdeeds has been learned. This is not the arbitrary edict of a vengeful deity. It is the inexorable working of the law of eternal justice. It is the way of progress. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he must also reap. Pardon me for not reading the title, the subtitle of the last section where I just finished. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that, he shall also reap. That was titled Euthanasia. Now we're going to move on to blood. The blood is the direct channel of the spirit within the body of man. It contains the deepest secrets of life. A blood tie means a bond that is indissoluble. It can be served only through a spirit's final release from its body. This fact was borne out by an interesting press report about a man who had given his blood to a considerable number of persons requiring transfusions. He stated that whenever one whom he had so served died, he was immediately aware of the passing and also saw the likeness of the departed. What he saw was not merely a likeness, but the disembodied spirit itself. In the case of blood transfusions, great care should be exercised to secure the proper blood type in a donor belonging astrologically to the same element as the patient. A patient coming under a fire sign should accept blood only from a donor who comes under either a fire or an air sign. A water patient should draw on someone belonging to an earth or water sign, an air patient from a fire or air donor, an earth patient from one coming under a water or earth sign. Two persons coming into such an intimate relationship as the mixing of blood usually do so in liquidation of some debt incurred in the past. One who frequently gives his blood in this manner is probably atoning for blood he has shed, perhaps in the course of wars of ruthless aggression. In the case of a person highly sensitized through clean and holy living, 
Extra precautions are necessary for otherwise the reactions may be serious or even fatal. In such a case, it is desirable to obtain blood from one who abstains from meat, tobacco, and alcoholic liquors. Where the vibratory rate of the newly infused blood varies too greatly from that of the patient, the ego may not be able to reconcile the difference and bring the alien life for the life is in the blood, under its complete control in which event, derangement, or even death is the result. The four elements. Every infirmity is concerned is connected with one of the four elements. Poisons are of fiery origin and enter pardon me and center in the desire body. Poison is rendered harmless to one's body when his lower desires have been transmuted. Hence the master's statement to his disciples, they shall take up ser serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. All fermentations operate in the fiery ray. Alcoholic beverages have the ultimate effect of making a man slave to his desire, nature an abject tool of the Lucifer's. The house of prayer, body, becomes the den of thieves, destructive poisons. One of the darkest causations the nations of the world will have to meet as a result of extensive indulgence in alcoholic liquors. Those who engage in the manufacture and distribution of intoxicants, or who are in any way responsible for its traffic, will not escape the deleterious de de effects which the habit of strong drink has upon the race. They will one day have to share in bearing the burden of radical reclamation and need for which they had part and created. Epidemics are largely a reaction from collective wrongs committed in the past. The ten millions are three abouts who went out from this plague in 1919 to 1920 suffered a sudden reaction from the mass crimes of the World War. We cannot take the lives of our brothers and charge the atmosphere with destructive thoughts of hate, murder, and revenge far greater in the power than poison gas without its resulting in a heavy toll of misery and death. Chloria, black plague, and smallpox are more prevalent among primitive peoples than in more enlightened races. They are occultly attributable in large part of voodoo practices, black magic, incantations, and other means used to subordinate the mind of one person to another without the former's knowledge or against his own will or their will. In the words of a sage, the weakness of the soul proclaim the fact fatalities of the body upon the seed atom located in the left ventricle of the heart is engraved in an unalterable record of man's life by this record is he judged in his destiny fixed destiny fixed a fact which prompted the psalmist to sing your how your heart shall receive forever spiritual causation of physical disabilities since the outer reflects the inner it is to the latter we must look for the ultimate cause of whatever manifests in the physical body. These causes are not ascertainable by one examining a physical body only by, but may be discerned by one capable of investigating the conditions of the subtler bodies to go farther back in the causes of the effects found in the, these subtle bodies. One must possess spiritual powers for reading the memory of nature, wherein is recorded everything from the beginning of time. I believe this is actually talking about the Akashic records. 
research into the hidden side of health and disease throws an amazing light on the science of healing. From among numberless facts revealed, a few may be cited by way of illustration. Clear spiritual perception will express itself outwardly as perfect physical sight. A persistent refusal to see truth when presented ends in blindness. Farsightedness comes from having overlooked opportunities to serve and of living in the future of the neglect of the present. Of short-sightedness, an esoteric rabbi writes, Wherefore, the limitation of short-sighted vision, if it were not for peering into other people's affairs, else why the punishment laid on innocent eyes and ears, a warped mental viewpoint, if maintained long enough, will produce a distortion of physical vision. Similar reasons account for deafness as for the loss of sight. Persistently, close Close the ears to words of truth, and the time will come when a spoken truth will fall in ears unable to hear. An impedent and speech betokens blasphemy, false testimony, or malicious gossip in the past. Words may slay or injure. The reaction from such is impaired speech or even total dumbness. The betrayal of a sacred trust or the violation of a vow may later cost the betrayer an injury to the tongue or in more serious cases, it's complete loss. Most people suffer more or less from imperfect teeth. They are seldom retained in perfect condition to the end of a full lifespan. The hidden cause for such loss is the identification and consciousness of oneself with the ephemeral things of life. When consciousness is transferred from the transient to unchangeable reality, the change will be reflected in conditions of relative stability and permanency in the physical body. Heart afflictions result from misplaced affections. The following has been told humorously, but the ailing young man spoke truly than he knew. Pardon me, I'm going to read that again. But the ailing young man spoke more truly than he knew. Upon being told by a physician that he had a bad heart, that he was troubled with angia pectoris, he agreed with the doctor, but insisted that that was not her name. Heartaches do come for too many loves. A wanton spilling of affection means a later heart leakage, an intense personal love directed to a single individual at the expense of any regard for others, for such regard is due, has the effect of contracting the heart and giving rise to cardiac disorders. The heart, the center for the love principle, suffers when this principle is in any way subverted from its highest expression. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Ailments of arms and shoulders result from evading the responsibilities of life and neglecting re them to others. Pardon me relegating them to others <laughs> the hands present even more than the con continence indecisis to character ability and development to reveal the nature and quality of past thought and action being a direct expression of the mind they develop as does the thinker compare the hands of mindless arthropods with those of rational man the thumb, index to will, wisdom, and activity, is undeveloped in the apes. Even that of a giant gorilla is smaller than a man's little finger, 
and its opposable action is negligible. The hands, like the mind, which they express in action, are ruled by Mercury, the little finger specifically ruled by this planet. When the mind is warped, the little finger is curved. It is so congenial, I believe, it is so congen congenial, yeah, congenial, it is so in congenial imbecile. I'm not entirely sure that sentence, I think, with the lack of a high conscious mind, to certain degrees, I would say it's curved in people that it's saying are more or less imbeciles. That's what I'm guessing. Talking briefly earlier about them, her mentioning dumbness in individuals when they decide to be kind of stubborn. Um, yeah, all right, moving on. An ego born without one or both hands has thus lost their use for an entire life as a result of having used them unscrupulously as a surgeon who has committed heartless experiments or a soldier guilty of hideous atrocities. Fingers may be lost as a consequence of pilfering, cheating, gambling, or other dishonest practices. Maimed feet are a reflex from leading others into passive wrongdoing. It were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck than that he should offend one of the, these little ones. Disabilities of the generative organs result from the misuse of the body, holy creative life force. Also from criminal interference with normal processes, as in forced abortions, for instance, to suffer the extraction of the spinal fluid, a delicate and dangerous process, is the effect of misuse in any one of many ways with this precious life substance and of victimizing others by means of the power it contains. The liver is the seat of the desire body. Consequently, its numerous afflictions are traceable to various forms of unholy desires and selfish motivations. I just want to take a second to let everyone know the link tree is down below in the description. I have just released Manly P. Hall lectures, Neville Goddard lectures. I'm going to continue to release Alan Watt lectures. I release every day. So for more content, you can check that out. Please consider also donating as a patron on Patreon. You're able to get the latest episodes before they're released every Friday. Whatever episodes I've already done previously, I'm going to get better and better at pre-recording so I can put it all in the unlisted playlist for everyone. And it's just $15 a month, and that also helps us purchase books. These books are very old. Um, it helps us also study the archive and all that. So I just wanted to say, check the link tree for the Witty Words of Wisdom YouTube channel. Thank you. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Stomach troubles come from having live to eat rather than eating to live. The gourmandizer becomes the deceptic. Further removed, the cause lies in the higher faculties. He who simply gathers facts who accumulates knowledge to satiate does for his mind what overeasing does for his stomach. To fail to assimilate knowledge and to use it with a purpose becomes the hidden cause of intestinal troubles. As the mind has neglected to select wisely and use purposefully the knowledge it gathered, 
so the intestines fail in the selective process of absorbing needful elements for the body's upkeep and rejecting all that is useless and superfluous. The relation may be noted astrologically Virgo, being the sign of discrimination ruling the intestinal tract. The modern scourge of cancer belongs to the destruction, destructive fiery element and has its center in the desired body. Its origin can be traced back occultly to a time when unbridled desires had held sway. The ancient scourge of leprosy had its origin in a like causation. Paralysis pardon me, comes from a lack of compassion in the past. It is a physical limitation growing out of indifference to either the joys or sorrows of others. The unmoved spirit belongs brings the body to a like state. Tuberculosis is the effect of materialistic thinking and living. Hardened thoughts produce hardened tissue. Dropsy results from the habitual tendency to exaggerate. Diseases directly attributed to impurity of the blood spring from sensual, poisonous, destructive thinking. Tumors and cysts are physical manifestations of a hoarding, grasping, selfish nature. Morphine belongs, morphine belongs to the airy element and set its, sets its destructive rhythms primarily in the mentality. Many causes of insanity may be traced to excessive use of drugs in the past, among cases per, pronounced hopelessly incurable, are those who have led others into this devastating habit. Crippled bodies often follow past cruelties inflicted upon man or beast, as for instance the terrible atrocities of the Inquisition and the sufferings to which animals are subjected in vivisection laboratories. High motive does not nullify the action of the law. The reaping will be as the sowing in each and every aspect of the act. Noble purpose will react in a refinement and a strengthening of character. Cruelty involved as a result of unbalanced or undeveloped nature will react on the physical organism in a blemish equally unnatural. The law is exact and inexorable. Where the body is helplessly crippled, it is probable that the ego has occupied a position of power which he misused by condemning others to unspeakable tortures. Lines of causation reach into the far past and bind the living forces of every word and deed into the crystallized substance of our present bodily habitation and environment. If, therefore, we are not pleased with our present condition, we will do well to remember that we have, by our own thought and action in the past, made ourselves what we are today, and that more intelligent thought and action today will make for a better tomorrow. No external influence is responsible for our limitations. Neither can any outward being or influence deter our progress towards perfection if we will, if we will will it otherwise. The spirit within is the only monitor of man's fate. In it resides all power. The regeneration of one's nature and the illumination of one's spirit proceed, to de proceed together. Thought is the re great regenerating power. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Admo admonished Paul, and again glorify God in your body. Here, we have the two fundamental healing affirmations given by, given by one of the most supreme physicians of all time.
to no conditions radiant health, pardon me, to no continuous radiant health, is it to live in constant communion with the divinity within. And this relationship lies freedom from every tie of past causation. This was the teaching of the Christ and of all illuminated, illumined ones who have come after him regardless of time, place, or creed. We're going to finish up with part two, which is the forward. The average individual little realizes the profound truth of the Bible statement that man is fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, pardon me. Is fearfully and wonderfully made. He is indeed an epitome of the universe and a God in the making. It is it is the purpose of this series of studies to examine the human organism in its arcane aspects and to present facts substantiated in the holy scriptures that will reveal somewhat of the body's divine design and celestial relationships. Frequent, refer frequent reference will be made to the relationships. Oh, pardon me. Frequent reference will be made to the seer physician and prince of medieval alchemist Periclesis, yeah, Periclesis, whose knowledge and understanding of the construction of the body temple of man together with the life processes connected therewith still remains prominent in the alchemical field. The central mot motif of his life and works is contained in these words commune with nature god's signature and go within to find the riches of the kingdom of heaven this is the path of true wisdom we know of no more admirable forward to a discussion of occult anatomy than the instructions which periclesis gave to his disciples on the three greatest books i am content with the three books from which i may learn very great wisdom the first book the first is the book of nature, written not with ink or stylus, but with the fingers of God, wherein are inscribed and registered heaven, earth, and all creation therein, through the sacred impress of the three-in-one, which volume is called Macrocosmos. The second, a small book, which, with all its leaves and pieces, is taken from the larger work, and this is man himself. This, the same is also is macro, microcosmos. God has further ordered that man have a twofold magnet, one composed of three elements, his body, and hence also he attracts to him, them to himself. Another one is of the stars by which he attracts the stars. Therefore, the reason of man has a magnet which attracts into itself the mind and thoughts of the stars. The third magnet, magnet is hidden in the image of God in a man's soul. The third book is the Holy Bible, the Holy Writ of the Old and New Testaments, which explains to us the two preceding books. Generous friends, from these three books, we can, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, learn that which will profit us in body and in soul for time and eternity, and avoid many deceitful books of which the world is full. In a study of occult anatomy, we must consider man both prior to his birth and physical body and subsequent to the dissolution of the body at death. The spirit is immortal and its activity is ceaseless. It goes on, uninterrupted, whether its functions on this plane or on others, in a physical body or in forms of finer texture before the spirit's 
event on earth and a physical body, it undergoes a long period of preparation, and after leaving spiritual incarnation, it experiences an extended time of assimilation of the spiritual fruits of the earth. Earth life just passed. No ego ever comes to birth without the assistance of innumerable celestial beings whose ministrations to the human race form a romance of incomparable splendor. St. Paul, observing their many and varied activities in the service of man, declared that we are ever encompassed about with clouds of invisible witnesses. Something of an outline of the work of those luminous ones will be at attempted in the following pages of this book. And that concludes the second part of Occult Anatomy in the Bible. This will also be on YouTube, so please check this out. You can, like I mentioned earlier, check out all the other courses and lectures that are up there from Neville Goddard and Manly P. Hall thus far. And next week we will start reading the first chapter of Occult Anatomy in the Bible. I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you very much. God bless you and have a wonderful weekend.